What's going on? What's going on? Cut the, cut the music. Cut the music. What's up, JD? Welcome back to the True Christian Ministry Podcast. It is Wednesday, and I am not mentally prepared right now. What's up, man? <laughs> What's wow. up, brother? What's up, everybody in the chat? Welcome back to the True Christian Ministry Podcast. Yes, this is, in fact, our Wednesday slash Thursday episode, and it's going to be a good one. Gonna be is a good it, one, even though, even though we are all over the place. It's 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 once the Holy Spirit starts starts working, it, it's always a good one. Praise Jesus! I'm, I'm gonna need you to I'm gonna need you to carry that torch there, brother. The Holy Spirit torch. Tor- 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 see, I can't even. I'm not there. I'm not there. <laughs> the um, spirit is holy. Shut out of me. <laughs> the spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak right now. Uh, I'll give people a moment to get on for TikTok before I do my little announcement over there. But as always, guys, for you tuning in over here, whether you're on Facebook or YouTube, please hit that subscribe button. That's all we ask you to do. Uh, Hit that like button and all that stuff. Check out the links in the bio. True Christian Ministry merchandise, Tombs Empty Bro merchandise. Uh, Yeah, and you know. But um, guys, today, I just want to have a conversation. Honestly, I just want to talk. I want a family meeting of Christian brothers and sisters because there's so much that I know can be discouraging to people. And we kind of just like ignore it, ignore it, ignore it. And we're focusing on these other topics, but can we just take a moment to stop and talk about some of these things that we're seeing in Christianity, especially online. It's kind of crazy, JD, just jumping right into it, right? It's kind of crazy how when you go from what we do in the streets and come online, it's a whole different, it's 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 a different existence. Man. In fact, a lot of people I meet that come online, they'll say stuff like, I didn't know that this was something we people are disputing because it's not in real life, but there's a bunch of people online disputing things that they shouldn't be. Yeah. Um, and I'm I'm gonna be I'm gonna confess something tonight. Ready? This is this is not this, this is Christian living, as in we're having family sit down, uh, uh transparency. Today was the first day where I really felt discouraged about continuing uh with TikTok. And I'm, let me explain. I know there's so many people that enjoy the content and I shouldn't focus on the others, but it is so upsetting how many people are just there to argue and mm. they're standing on terrible doctrines that like if they actually like denial of the Trinity, that's it, JD. It's a big one for me. It's a yeah. it's a huge one for me. Bro, and it's bro, like, it's, what it's, are y'all it's doing? A it's a trigger, man. And, and, and like I said, I went I went on a live the other day with modalists. And I completely approached it. Now I'm, I'm not. A, I'm not even ashamed to admit it. I approached it so badly um, because I was just. I was just annoyed. Like the the analogies they make to try and justify um, theophanies in the Bible, where we see perfect examples of Father, Son, and Spirit. Um, the introduction of of Paul's epistles. Um, the the it's just. It's undeniable. The Trinity is undeniable. Um, for those of you who are part of the Discord study, I went over the Trinity again on this past Saturday Saturday evening study on the Discord as well um, because of the urgency of it. As, as brothers and sisters in Christ, this is a foundational issue. This is a salvation issue. Um, a lot of people will say it's not. It is. The, the triune God of Scripture is 100% a salvation issue. If you absolutely, reject, if you are willfully reject rejecting it. it, yeah, if you reject it because you don't understand it because of pure ignorance, then 
like I say to people, I don't know if you if you truly know Christ then, because it's 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 so unequivocally clear that the God of the Bible is triune, um, and there's no denying it. Even if you don't, we've said it so many times. Even if you don't fully understand it or grasp it, um, to reject it is is just another level. Um, we're not we're not able to draw our own lines in the sand and come to our own conclusions based on our head knowledge when the scriptures clearly tell us to not lean on our own understanding, to not lean on our own knowledge, to not lean on what we believe, and moreover, not to trust our feelings. Facts over feelings, man. Facts over feelings. And um, I 100% agree with you. I think this is, for me, the biggest reason why I've been, like, I've had like a block when it comes to creating content for TikTok. Because I'm I'm like preempting and uh, anticipating the comment thread, and then I'm like, I'm not even going to put the video up. Um, and that's not necessarily a thing. That's not that's not necessarily a good thing. But ultimately, it's it, it is draining to see people argue over the color of Jesus Jesus's skin. Um, like there are lives where people are having debates over whether Jesus was white or black. Like. How is this relevant? How well, is this? It's it, I, I'm gonna be honest with you. It's not even also like so. For example, it's not just the, it's not just the Christians that you have no idea who they are, right? Because they're gonna they're, we know they're gonna exist, right? We we have to understand that not everybody can be saved, and that is a thing that you do have to confront at one point in this Christian walk. Because if you truly are walking in the Spirit, you feel that pain of like you want to reach people, and you have to learn you can't. But some of the the stuff that that finally is catching up on me, I guess, is you'll have these people that will say like they've been listening, following, and you know have enjoyed the content. Everything's been sound, and then when you finally say something they don't like, rather than saying okay, everything's been sound for like a year now, maybe I should at least look into it. It's the complete rejection of it, like immediately, and, and it's like, come on, guys. Uh, mm at least take a moment to say, could I be possibly standing on something faulty that? And, and also it's <laughs> again, moment of transparency, moment of transparency. I am. I don't care that people think I'm proud, but I am getting tired of this, this, this people making these videos that, that aren't even big pages. So y'all don't see it, but they're people that used to follow me. Right. And it's, um, it's like, I'm sorry that I haven't been called out correctly yet. Right. Like when they say, you know, you're not, you're, this dude's not able to accept correction. It's like, is that my fault that people haven't brought true corrections in me yet? Like, is that really my fault? Am I to be blamed for that? Like it, I don't know, man. It's been a, it's been a rough day. Yeah. It's, it's been, it's, it's been a rough, it's been a rough few weeks um, going, going through TikTok because again, if we don't have these people that, be still, sit for five minutes, and if you feel any tingling or sensation, then that's the Holy Spirit. And there we go. Just say nothing. Um, we've got we've Reverend Brandon Robertson, and then you leap to this Bishop Jonathan Blake. We've it's like it's it's a it's a crazy. It's not even a jungle because, like you say, if you go out on the streets, like I've had conversation with with Muslims on the streets, they don't behave like the Muslims I've seen online um, at all. They don't start 
cussing and losing their tempers and, uh, you know, getting all irate about the situation, you can actually have a conversation. Um, and, and, and this is, again, why I prefer being on the streets um, and speaking to people face-to-face -face. because face-to-face -face you can have a conversation, you can ascertain how they got to that worldview, why they believe what they believe, um, and then ultimately reach a conclusion where you could say, well, this is where you've erred. And, and people are more open to listen um, to the truth if, you, if they see your demeanor and your mannerisms. And I, I've, and I mean, you're, you fall victim to this all the time. People read a comment um, and they assume you're coming across aggressively. They assume you're passive aggressive. They assume you're angry when uh, it's a question like, what is the gospel? Like asking that question these days, asking someone the question, what is the gospel is like a trigger for, for a lot of these Christians. When you ask them, what is the gospel? How am I saved? They, they can't tell you um, like, like that lady. She, I mean, she was like, you're blaspheming the Holy Spirit right now. You're a blasphemer of the Holy Spirit. Like, I want to know what the gospel is. How am I blaspheming the Holy Spirit? Like, again, not understanding the, the text um, I'm just like fully convinced that we are in the last of the last days, uh, purely yeah. because of the hate that, that spews out of self-proclaimed Christians. Um, when it comes to truth, when we well, speak truth, it's met with hate. So I'm a, I'm gonna leave it anonymous, but like, so check it out. This is where, this is where, what I think what really got me, um, is like I said, there's there's these people that talk about you, right? And you're used to it. I am used to it, guys. I'm not trying to be up here complaining right now. That's not what today's episode is about. But like when you got people that uh, uh, trust you and, and, and you look at each other like, yo, I love you guys. You, I love you Christians. This, I'm going to read this real quick. This is a comment that I saw on Facebook on somebody else's post. Had nothing to do with me, but I just so happened to come across it. And they put, um talking about me. Michael has an issue with pride. I used to defend him because he is for Jesus, but I see it and we can't overlook our brother and brothers and sisters that do the very thing that can't enter the kingdom. We all had to break from that. I had an issue with it and got broken. Blake had an issue with it and he got broken. Now let's pray for our brother, me, to get broken. Let me just... Calling upon prayers for someone that's your brother to be broken. We are not always correct in our teaching or the scripture wouldn't say we can't be above reproach. When I'm wrong, I do a public apology or a revised video to show people that follow me that I don't have pride because that's another way to win souls when people see transparency. That's the comment. And it's like, no matter what you try and do, I've made videos when people have rebuked me. I literally, in an email, private rebuke, but like, I can't make more videos of being wrong if I haven't been wrong. And that's not pride if I haven't been wrong. It's just, it's just, I've been right because I stick to the things I know about, right? Like I don't go down the, the, the path of topics I know nothing about. Like I'm not about to start talking about things that I'm not that strong in, right? That's why I stay away from prophecy. I have my beliefs on it, but like I don't, I'm not strong in that area. But um, it's just like even that praying for you to get broken. Let's let us calling someone else for that. Let us pray for this person to be broken. What kind of prayer is that? That Christians are praying for their brothers and sisters in Christ to get broken because that's what they think you need because that's what they needed. It's, I don't know, man.
It's yeah. wild how Christians are so against each other. And if it affects me, I know it affects those that that struggle with a lot more than I struggle with, right? As far as like, I'm able to push through a lot. So I know that if it gets to me, it's got to get to these young Christians. And that's what really bothers me. Yeah. No, and that's that's a fact. Um, I mean, it's it's there, there are there are literally days where where I see some of the comments and you go into certain live streams and you try and edify and 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 educate with love. Um and especially if there's like a bond, like a like a like a posse, like five or more that have the same that have managed to deceive one another. They've deceived each other, and now they're like this, this, this gang, you know, this like this modalist gang who, you know, they just bombard with ad hominem attacks, and you don't know. And again, yes, yes, the red flag. They're never a part of a church. They've never studied theology. They've, uh, they'll always tell you the same thing. Uh, me and my Bible, the Holy Spirit taught me. Um, again. We're not saying that the Holy Spirit doesn't teach you. Yes, the Holy Spirit does teach you scripture. We cannot understand God's word without the Holy Spirit. You have to be regened in order to understand what God's saying. But again, there are, God has appointed people in places who have written books, who have done the research, who harmonize the scriptures, who show us this is the correct way to interpret the Bible. Um, Believe it or not, there are multiple incorrect ways to interpret the Bible, but there are correct ways to interpret the Bible. Um, again, not all of our views are going to line up 100%, but when it comes to soteriology, what saves us, um, and I've said this so many times with so many lives, we have to line up. When it comes to God being triune, when it comes to Christ being incarnate, the incarnate God, when it comes to Jesus Christ having died on the cross, being buried, rose to life on the third day, and ascended to the right hand of the Father. These are essentials for the believer. If you've got that wrong, you, you've ultimately got the wrong Christ. Um, and, and when you try and explain this to people, um, and, and sometimes we do get heated. This is the, this is the thing. People, people misconstrue. And this is, let me actually, because I never got to post the video. So I'm just going to say this. I was making a reply to someone who said Mike had lost the plot. Mike has lost the plot. He's gone off the deep end. And, um, you know, he's no longer the same. Used to follow him. Don't follow him anymore. Whatever the case may be. So let me just paint this analogy for you guys. Imagine you have a child, five years old. And he comes to you and he asks you a question. You answer the question. Tomorrow he comes back, he asks you the question, you answer the question. And so the story continues. Every single day he's asking you the same question, you're providing the same answer. Eventually you're providing the exact same answer, but you're doing it more directly with a tone because I've answered this question so many times. So what happens if you're a, a, creator with a following of over 300,000 you you guys on year even don't get to see the repetitive questions and the repetitive attacks so when you address it or you say I've already addressed this I have a playlist go and look at the playlist it's all there then it's like oh look he doesn't have the patience oh look he's being arrogant how many times is is too many times to repeat yourself on the same question. 
That's 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 what I wanted to ask. How many times is too many times? Because it's so easy to sit on that side of the keyboard and say someone has lost the plot um, and leave out all the comments where we've seen comments of atheists saying, thank you. I was an atheist. I followed you just to make fun of you. Now I'm a believer in Christ. Then this is an atheist who has come to Christ. But we've got Christians going, Mike has lost the plot simply because you don't like his approach on a certain subject. But here's the reality. Any human being, if you have to repeat yourself 50 times, 100 times on the very same question, eventually you're not answering that question with all the love and humility you desire to do. And, and, and this is where it's misconstrued. We're also still human. We're human and, and, and we, we constantly say, pray for us. Pray for us while we go out and while we do this. Pray for us while we share God's word. Pray for us that we stay humble and that we stay focused on, on, on the, the end goal and the prize. But um, that comment really upset me because to suggest that someone who, who's, who's done so much for so many people in, in just creating content every single day, trying to be funny, creating parodies, whatever the case may be, and then making a statement like he's lost the plot. This is to insinuate that he is no longer preaching truth. This is to insinuate that he is no longer preaching Christ and him crucified. This is to insinuate that Mark is no longer doing anything for the kingdom of God, but he's doing everything for himself. Um, and, and that's why it upset me. So again, when, when it comes to, if there's something that I've said or Mike said and you're not happy with, I put it up and I'll put it up again. Email us and say, I did not agree and do it like a Christian and explain in detail with scripture, not your opinion, with scripture, why you disagree with why, how things were said. And absolutely, I will reply to your email. And even if I have to reply on behalf of Mark, I will do that because the 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 reality of of what we're trying to do and by God's grace can continue to do is see people saved, is see people believe the gospel, is see people come to Christ. That's that's the end goal. There is no other end goal but to proclaim the name of Jesus, to magnify Christ and see people believe the gospel. My rant's done. That's my rod. I'm done. Amen. Amen. And, and guys, I, I love all of you. I, like I said, I just wanted to come on here and vent because, you know, uh, uh, because if we pretend it doesn't happen up here where me and JD are at because people look up to us, then they think it's unique for them. I want you to see that those things you battle with, I do too. I'm stressed out today. Right? I, and it's not because I'm like trying to get pity and I don't think you guys think down of me, but I want you to understand that just because you think JD and I probably have this amazing faith and you guys are so righteous and please pray for me because your prayers matter more than, and, and people might not say those things verbally, but there's a reason why they, they constantly are asking me and JD to pray for them because they think our prayers mean something more. Like you guys must be these righteous men. And it's like, no, I'm a broken sinner, man. And I'm struggling and, 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 and I stress out. I mean, heck, I don't need to even do this platform, right? Because I'm a disabled veteran. I could just go be disabled and like, just be lazy my life. Right. And you guys are the reason I do it. 
Um, so, but I just want you also to realize that you're not alone when it comes to uh, the stressors that we go through, especially the, the just how, like JD was saying, how disencouraging is that the word? Is disencouraged the word? Maybe disencouraging it. It is uh, uh, on on TikTok, YouTube, and all that with the constant Christian bickering, battling, hating, um, and, and we, like I said, the Trinity is a huge one. And what blows my mind is I don't think people. Every day that me and JD have to have these interactions with people, it becomes clearer and clearer and clearer how many people will say, Lord, Lord, and not know him. Like, I mean, yeah. not even just on the Trinity, right? You, yeah. I, I come across these live streams and I watch and I don't come in there. to. I'm not like, you know, the people that make me upset that come in and start questioning and stuff. I usually sit back and just watch. The only time I speak up is when it's an extremely false teacher and y'all see the screen recordings. Hey, what's the gospel? That's my speak up. But I'll come across some stuff and it's just like, if you guys really want a miracle, ask Jesus for an outer body experience. He'll give it to you. Miracle, miracle, this miracle, this miracle, this and experience this. And it's like, I'm, I'm watching this Christianity in America and the people that will say to amen to me and JD. And I want to say to them like, yo, we, we, we don't believe the same thing. Like, I know that we see each other and I say, Jesus, you say Jesus. So we're like, woohoo. But like, I hear you guys again. Denying the Trinity, let me be very clear with why me and JD say it's it's a salvation issue, right? We're not saying if you don't understand it or if there's confusion, God knows your heart. He knows someone who's willfully denying truth presented to them based on pride and who's just trying to figure it out and just can't get their a grasp of it, right? And, and people who can't figure it out and can't get a grasp of it, they don't deny anything. They kind of just say like, well... You know, it's like the agnosticism of Trinity of Trinity versus oneness. Right. Um, but let me explain to you why it's so important. First of all, to, to worship God is to do so in spirit and truth. That's what Jesus tells us. And then we know that to know him is what salvation is. Eternal. Jesus says in John 17, three, eternal life is to know you, God, or you, father, the one true God. And you're so the one you sent, Jesus Christ. It's to know them. Right. So why is the Trinity so important? Because if you straight up deny the Trinity, it literally changes the gospel. Because, I mean, ask yourself, what exactly is the gospel? Not the summarized version. So we always give the summarized version of the gospel. Death, burial, resurrection. It's bigger than that. That's why Paul even says, you know, according to the scriptures, according to the scriptures, according to the scriptures. Like in First Corinthians 15, uh, one through four, he even starts it saying, you know, remember what I taught you. And then he gives this summary because the gospel stretches out to the fact of why this news is good. And we see the son who loves the father. And because he loves the father, he goes into this world to make the father known and glorify the father. And the father loves the son. So the father glorifies the son and gives him a people. And there's this love between the father and the son because the gospel is not about us. It's not. We've read it a million times on this on this podcast. In Isaiah, it says what? That he created us for his sake, for his glory. It's all about his glory. And it's the glory from the father to the son and to the son to the father. It's a love story that we're a part of between the father and the son. And if you take away the Trinity, you have a gospel that is just about man because God gains nothing from it. Right. Even in, no matter what, God gains nothing from the gospel. However, in the gospel that we understand with the Trinity, it's about the father and the son. Yeah. But the without the Trinity, it's it's 
God loved me so much. He wants me so much. He's coming for me. He has these conversations with himself, like, nevertheless, not my will, but my will, because that makes perfect sense in the garden uh, when Jesus says, not my will, but your will. It changes who Jesus is also, because then Jesus is just the father. And Jesus is the, and the Holy Spirit is just, is just Jesus. And, and it's not this beautiful, uh, uh, unity that we see in the Godhead. And why would Jesus constantly be pointing at the father and the Holy Spirit? And why do we see it at the back? Like a lot of the Bible ends up being really, really confusing. And it changes who Jesus is literally like, that's not even, an, I'm not even, uh, exaggerating. If Jesus is no longer the eternal son, cause only in the Trinity can Jesus be the eternal son, mm. right? Think about that. And if it's not the Trinity, he's not the eternal son. He's just the eternal God. And he, he fluctuates in his mode. Yeah. But then he's not, that's not the, that's not who I think of. Like yeah. the beginning of every epistle makes no sense to the glory of God, the father, by Jesus Christ. Why are we naming both? Why, why are we, now that he's up there, now that he's back in his spot, why are we still calling him Jesus? Why aren't we calling him the father? Why are we still keeping them separate? He's no longer in the flesh, right? Or he's no longer in the sinful flesh. He's in his glorified flesh. So many things fall apart. And I know JD agrees with this. And that's why it's so important that we know who he is. And then here's the other thing we have to bring up. If, if a person has the Holy Spirit, how can they constantly reject something so true about him if the Holy Spirit's job is to sanctify us and grow us? I could get it for a short period, but if someone's denying the Trinity for years, how am I supposed to believe the Holy Spirit's in that person just chilling and letting that happen? Because isn't doesn't the scripture say he's supposed to sanctify us and bring us yeah. the truth? How can a man sit in, in false doctrine for decades, especially yeah. about who God is while God is in him? So yeah. many things start to fall apart in my, in my mindset. So it's so important to know who God is. Yeah. I mean, and again, like if we, if we read the, if we read the text, like if we go through the gospel of John and you get to John 10 30, Jesus would not have said, I am the father are one. He would have said, I am one. I am, I am one with me. He wouldn't I even know. And I am one. The I am one part would be actually be un unnecessary because that's a given. He would just say, I'm not, Hey, it's me. I'm the father. Like when they ask, yeah. show us the father, yeah, he'd be like, up. I'm right here. I'm, I'm him. Exactly. Yeah. I am exactly. him. And God has no problem saying I am he, he does it all throughout the Old Testament. But yeah. I mean, no, you're, you're absolutely right. The, the gospel of John extremely breaks apart this idea of oneness. But what kills me, JD is they go here. They go right here to John 10. No, sorry. Is it 10? 10 30, I yes. think it was. Yeah. Um, well, yeah, all over 10, but I'm looking I'm the for the father where of one. Yeah. No, where does Philip say, am... Show us the father? Is that 12? Yeah. I mean, you, you can literally, John 10 through 17, there's so many references to Jesus and the father. Like, if we just read, <laughs> it's yeah. there's so many statement. let's just read some scripture whatever let's go into the yeah. gospel john yeah. let's start it let's start at chapter 10 let's start at chapter 10 let me close that uh let me make the text a little bigger for you guys let's just read the scriptures and let the scriptures define themselves let's let's see if the scriptures give us any room ready i'm gonna stop for a second i'm gonna pray heavenly father thank you so much for allowing us to be here today father i ask you 
that you guide us through your word right now, and that, that, that your truth be made evident. I don't want to assume that we know the truth. None of us do. We don't want to assume that we are right. So, Father, let us go into this as if we don't even know what a trinity is. We don't know anything about that. Let us read your word and see what your word makes clear, Father. And I ask for your spirit to move through this uh, reading and discernment to be present in everyone listening. And I pray all this through Jesus' holy name. Amen. 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 So, amen, amen. truly, truly, I say to you, he who does not enter the sheepfold by the door, but climbs in by another way, that man is a thief and a robber. But he who enters by the door is the shepherd of the sheep. To him, the gatekeeper opens. The sheep hear his voice, and he calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. When he has brought out all his own, he goes before them, and the sheep follow him for they know his voice. A stranger they will not follow, but they will flee from him, for they do not know the voice of strangers. This figure of speech Jesus used with them, but they did not understand what he was saying to them. So Jesus said to them, truly, truly, I say to you, I am the door of the sheep. All who came before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not listen to them. I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved and will go in and out and find pasture. The thief only comes to steal and kill and destroy. I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. So real quick, I just want to notice Jesus has no problem saying what he does. I, 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 he has no problem doing that, right? And that's important for us to point out because if we're going to look at what he's about to start saying when he starts identifying the father in a different person, I need the oneness people to explain to me why is it necessary to point at the father if he can point to himself? Because he points to himself clearly here. I am the good shepherd. The good yeah. shepherd lays down his life. And he says that these are my people, my. He uses these words, mine, right? He says, he who is, who is a hired hand and not a shepherd who does not own the sheep sees the wolf coming and leaves the sheep and flees. And the wolf snatches them and scatters them. He flees because he is a hired hand and cares nothing for the sheep. I am yeah. the good shepherd. I know my own and my own know me. Just as the father knows me. I need people to explain that to me. Anybody, you yeah. feel me, J.D.? <laughs> that, that that's exactly it that's exactly and i go to these passages and i'm like explain it and they're like no but in order to understand this you first need to go there and then you need to go here and then they want to jump across i'm like no explain the verse like we can read this verse as as trinitarians and yep. we can understand it straight away i don't need to go anywhere else i can read the verse and understand the verse where is it yeah, Look, man. he says, he says, my own know me just as the father knows me and I know the father. So he gave us an image of I know my own. So let's just to make this clear. I know my followers and my followers know me. And the analogy is just as the father knows me and I know the father. Well, wait a minute. Me and Jesus are not the same. Right. So if he's drawing a comparison of the way that we will know him to how the father knows him, then therefore we can't be the same. Right. And, and this is what I always point out when they always say, J.D., the father and I are one. Yeah. But Jesus also said that we will be one with him just as the father is one. So therefore, again, I'm not Jesus. So unless I'm Jesus, there's got to be more meaning to this than just 
100%. If I say that we're one. Exactly the same. Exactly the same as the marriage covenant. My wife and I are one. Yet she's in bed now, sleeping. I'm here on the podcast. So how is that? How are we one? If she's sleeping, I'm awake. Again, we we look at these and God gives us examples. He gives us little footprints in the sand that we can follow. We follow the footprints. We know where we're going. And, and he's made it very clear with that, with that Hebrew word we see, ekad, ekad, one in its plurality. Mike and Tanasia are one. Diane and I are one in spirit. We're joined together as husband and wife. God honors our marriage. He sees us as one. But we're still individuals. My wife can sin by herself. I can sin by myself. We can make our own mistakes as we go along. This, this, is, this is something we need to look at. We need to ask, why is this example given to us in Scripture? And this is exactly why it's given. Christ is laying it down here in a way that the Pharisees and the apostles and disciples would understand. And that's why he says things like, those who are of the truth will know the truth. John 17, he says, what does he say? I came to testify to the truth. Those who are of truth will know and understand truth. Again, we're not claiming we know everything there is to know about God's triune nature. But what we are saying is, by rejecting it, we're rejecting God's word at face value, people. At face value. Like, that's what the words on the page say. Amen. So I saw someone ask about, uh, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. We're going to get to that because we're reading John. But I will jump to Isaiah real quick because the two main places that these people use is what? John and Isaiah. So let's go ahead and hit this. We've done this many times before, but let's just do it again real quick. They jump to Isaiah 9, 6, where it says, For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulders, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. So much right here that people don't, they, 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 so here's what people do. They read this as if the reader of this already knows the end, Right. Oh, I already know who the Holy Father is, the Heavenly Father is. Therefore, this is, you know, I see Father, it's Father, 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 Father. Ask yourself, is that what the author is intending? Is he writing this only for the audience that comes after Christ that will be able to look back and be like, ah, the Heavenly Father? Or is there more meaning to this? For to us, a child is born, to us, a son is given. So the son is given, right? This is the son of God given to us. A son is given by who? Right there. By who? That's the first question you need to ask. Who's the son given by? And then it says a government shall be upon his shoulders. Well, that's we know that because he is going to be the king of kings. He's going to be over all. He's going to fulfill the seat of David and be the true king. Then it says wonderful counselor, mighty God, everlasting father, prince of peace. Each one of these titles means something. Everlasting father. What is that a fulfillment of? Well, who is Abraham's true seed? What does Galatians chapter 3 say? That the seed of Abraham is not seeds, meaning many, but one. And that one is Christ. Who is Abraham? The father of the Hebrews, the father of the Jews. He is the uh, uh, the main patriarch that, that, it, that comes before all. So if Jesus is the true seed of Abraham, that will be the one over all, would he not be a father 
of the people? Would he not be a patriarch? Would he not be a father of the testament, a father of the covenant? This doesn't make him his own father, right? That's where people take this and then say, oh, well, since he's called everlasting father, then therefore he is the father. But we skip the part that says to us, a son is given by who? By the father. I'm a father. JD's a father, but we have fathers. Like it doesn't just because Jesus is referred to as an everlasting father here does not mean that we can just insert heavenly father. This is by definition, Isa Jesus. This is you taking what you already believe, seeing this and saying, ah, because the only way you read this and believe that this is telling you Jesus is the heavenly father is if you came to it with that belief already. Because if yeah. you were reading this as the Jew, when this is written, that's not even a thought in your head about the Messiah. Amen. You're not thinking about that when it comes to, to the Messiah. That's not what this message is talking about. And then if yeah. we're going to talk about the, the, the Old Testament, Proverbs 30, I bring it up all the time. It says, what is, uh, what is his name and what is his son's name? So we see two. Again and uh, again, Daniel 7, uh, we see the same. Uh, it, it's just, uh, it's, again, you... When it comes to isogeting the text, this is exactly what people do. The Word of Faith movement does this all the time, um, and it's constructive manipulation. For example, we, we see, let me give you a quick example. So we see Jesus feeding the 5,000. We see Jesus feeding the 5,000, and what does he say to the, uh, the disciples? Because there's two examples. We, Jesus feeds the 5,000. Jesus feeds the 4,000, and we see he says something to the disciples, you feed them. You feed them. So now what a word of faith preacher will do or someone that's in, in the prosperity gospel, they'll use that text to manipulate you, saying you should be out there feeding the poor. You should be out there feeding the poor. Or here's an organization uh, that you can donate to and feed the poor at this organization because, yeah, Jesus says in Matthew, feed them. Um, and and, and this, is, this, is a, this is an example of, of manipulative uh, you know, manipulating the text and manipulating your audience and playing on their emotions. So we exegete the text and we say, this is what happened. This is why Jesus did it this way. And this was the lesson learned by the apostles and everybody that came and ate. Because we see that most people, if we carry on reading, only came for the food. They didn't come for the message. Jesus Christ even flees <laughs> after feeding the 5,000, gets on the boat and disappears quickly because he tells his apostles, most of the people who showed up, they weren't here for the message. They were here for the full belly. And we see the same thing today. So people will sit through, people will sit through sermons where uh, they manipulate the text, isogeet the text, add their own version or spin on it, as they do with Jeremiah 29, 11, Philippians chapter 4. I could do all things through Christ. Cool. So I can rob a bank through Christ. I can beat my wife through Christ. This, this, is, not, this is not what the text means. And ultimately, by God's grace, we can continue to do what we do. But Mark and I have always been on the same page with that's not what it says. And, and we're, not, we're, not, we're not trying to start a war over what it says. But it's very clear that's not what it says nor what it means in its context 
what Jesus Christ is saying there is this. In its context, what the Apostle Paul is saying there is this. In its context, what Peter is saying there is this. And when we read it in context, we can perfectly harmonize everything Christ said in the Gospels, everything Paul said to the churches of Corinth and Philippi and Colos and Galatia, and we can correlate that with everything Paul of uh, Peter is writing as well as James. And we can say, okay, this is why they said what they said. And this is why we don't cherry pick faith without works is dead. Because <laughs> meanwhile, that's not if, what it uh, says. if you don't, if you, if you deny the Trinity, we can't make it through the gospel of John without any issues. Cause I'm just reading ahead while JD's talking. And I'm like, that's a struggle there. What, what are they going to say about that? What about that? <laughs> so, yeah. Yeah, well, I think carry on reading. <laughs> yeah, uh, I must bring them all. No, he says, I have other sheep that are not of this fold, and I must bring them also, and they will listen to my voice. So there will be one flock, one shepherd. For this reason, the Father loves me. That I need to understand that too. Like, what, what do people, what do, like, for real, I would love to sit down with someone who's oneness and hear them explain this because here's the truth of it. The only way for Jesus to be the father would also mean you to have to deny the hypostatic union. You would have to say that there are moments where the flesh is talking and it's, and it's separate of God because this would make no sense. Why would, if Jesus is the father, why would he say for this reason, the father loves me? That would have to be just the humanity of him talking. Well, now we have this, this demigod in the, and you've created in your mind, right? Like, so it does not work. Let's keep going because I lay down my life and I may take it up again. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down of my own accord. I have authority to lay it down. Oh, excuse me, guys. And I have authority to take it up again. This charge I have received from my father. That makes no sense. We can go through chapter by chapter. Now, again, people love to go quickly grab the, you know, my father and I are one, right? And that's fine. You can grab that. But if we can explain that with the Trinity, I need you to explain all this other stuff that we're going through. We'll go down to the next part of Jesus talking, still in John 10. I told you and you do not believe the works that I do in my father's name bear witness about me but you do not believe because you are not among my sheep. My sheep hear my voice and I know them and they follow me. I give them eternal life and they will never perish. No one will snatch them out of my hand. Then he says, my father who has given them to me is greater than all and no one is able to snatch them out of the father's hand. And then he says, I and the father are one. Now let's keep going though. The Jews picked up stones again to stone him. Jesus answered them, I have shown you many good works from the Father. For which of them are you going to show me? The Jews answered him, It is not for a good work that you are going to that we are going to stone you. Oh. But for blasphemy, because being a man, make your I mean, because you being a man, make yourself God. There's a little side note also when you hear people say like Jesus never claimed to be God. Well, the Pharisees are not, you know, <laughs> they're not stupid. The Pharisees are not just making things up right here. Jesus answered them. Is it not written in your law? I said, you are gods. 
if he called them gods to whom the word of God came, the scriptures, the scripture cannot be broken. Do you say of him whom the father consecrated and sent into the world? You are blaspheming because I said, I am the son of God. If I am not doing the works of my father, then do not believe me. But if I do them, even though you do not believe me, believe the works that you may know and understand that the father is in me and I am in the father. Again, they sought to arrest him, but he escaped from their hand. Now, let me jump because in chapter 11, he does Lazarus and he raises him. And we want to get to where we see more of the my father and I are one. Oh, sorry. I'm sorry that I keep yawning. Ah, here we go. This is the inf infamous spot. John 12. This is where you're going to get a lot of people. A lot of people that are going to quote this. Now, among those who went up to worship at the feast were some Greeks. So these came to Philip, who was from Bethsaida in Galilee, and asked him, Sir, we wish to see Jesus. Philip went and told Andrew. Andrew and Philip went and told Jesus, and Jesus answered them, The hour has come for the Son of Man to be glorified. Truly, truly, I say to you, Unless a grain of wheat falls into the earth and dies, it remains alone. But if it dies, it bears much fruit. Whoever loves his life loses it, and whoever hates his life in this world will keep it for eternal life. If anyone serves me, he must follow me. And where I am, there will, there will my servant be also. If anyone serves me, the Father will honor him. Again, more things that just don't make sense with oneness. Now is my soul troubled, and what shall I say? Father, save me from this hour, but for this purpose I have come to this hour. Father, glorify your name. Then a voice came from heaven. I have glorified it, and I will glorify it again. So, okay. Jesus calling upon the Father. And then the Father speaking out of heaven. Why? Like, I, I if Jesus is the Father... Why is Jesus causing so much confusion by constantly pointing at the Father as being separate? And it's not because Jesus won't take uh, glory or authority because I, we just read verses where he says, these people are mine. No one can snatch them out of my hand. I am the good shepherd. You know, uh, I will raise them up. They must believe in me. Jesus has no problem standing on his own authority. Why would, if Jesus and the Father are not father and son, if they don't have this, this relationship, if, if Jesus is the father, why is this happening? Why would Jesus call upon the father? And then, the, and then if he is the father, then speak from heaven to confuse people. The crowd that stood there and heard it said that it had thundered. Others said an angel has spoken to him. Jesus answered, this voice has come for your sake, not mine. Now is the judgment of this world. Now will the ruler of this world be cast out. And I, when I am lifted up from the earth, will draw all people to myself. He said this to show by what kind of death he was going to die. So the crowd answered him, we have heard from the law that the Christ remains forever. How can you say that the son of man must be lifted up? Who is this son of man? So Jesus said to them, the light is among you for a little while longer. Walk while you have the light lest darkness overtake you. The one who walks in the darkness does not know where he is going. 
while you have the light, believe in the light that you may become sons of light. Let me go ahead and go down to Let's go down to, I'm trying to find the next spot where we're really going to see a lot of the heavy talk about the Father, and then we're going to see the Spirit too. I think it starts in James 14. Yep, this is where it's really going to start going in. Uh, JD should be back soon, hopefully. So let's go ahead and start in John 14, because this is where we're going to see a lot, a lot of the Father and, and yeah. Son uh, language. Let not your hearts be troubled. Believe in God. Believe also in me. So right there, right? He's talking about the Father, believe in the Father, but believe also in me. Drawing a distinction. Then he says, in my Father's house, in my Father's house. Again, I know that I keep saying the same thing, but this is how serious it is for me. How can these oneness people sit here and act like there's that this makes sense? Jesus has no problem stating his own authority. He said, my sheep, but this is not his house. This is his Father's house. And his father's house has many rooms. If it were not so, would I have told you that I go to prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and will take you to myself. That where I am, you may be also. And you know the way to where I am going. Thomas said to him, Lord, we do not know where you are going. How can we know the way? Jesus said to him, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Thank you, man. These yawns been hitting me tonight. <laughs> and then he says, if you had known me, you would have known my Father also. This is a great, great moment, right? We see Jesus say this constantly throughout the scriptures. If, they, if you knew me, you would know my Father. You don't know my Father, so you don't know me. And he says this to the Pharisees. He says this to his disciples, right? Why? Because Jesus is the nature of God. Jesus is the imprint of God. Jesus is the physical image of God. We read this in Hebrews chapter one. So if you know who the father, if you know the father, then you can't, there's no way you can deny Jesus because you would recognize everything about him is God, right? You would recognize that. But he's saying to them, you don't know the father and that's why you don't know me. And then he says, if you had, oh, I'm sorry. Um, then he says, from now on, you do know him because he has made him known, right? And have seen him, right? So you've seen him. And then they say, Philip said to him, Lord, show us the father and it is enough. So this is where people come. He tells them that, you know, they've seen the father and Philip says, show us the father. And they only read the next verse. They don't read all of it. Yeah. Jesus says, have I been with you so long and you still do not know me, Philip? Whoever has seen me has seen the father and then stop. But there's more to it. He says, Wait. how can you say, show us the father? Do you not believe that I am in the Father and the Father is in me? So Jesus isn't saying, you know, you've been around me so long and you do not know me just beca because he's the Father. He's saying it because Philip literally just doubted him. He just told Philip, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. I've made my Father known. Philip's like, all right, well, then show me the Father then, Jesus. He looks at him like, Philip, what? Have I been with you so long? You still do not know me? Whoever seen me has seen the Father. How can you say, show us the Father? Do you not believe that I am in the Father and the Father is in me? And then he mm -hmm. says, the words that I say to you, I do not speak on my own authority, but the Father who dwells in me. So he just told you why he says, if you see me, you've seen the Father. He said, the Father that dwells in me. 
does his works. The father that dwells, he doesn't say, I am the father. He could have easily, yeah. bro, I, okay, Philip, dummy, listen, I'm the father. This is what I'm telling you. No, no, no. He said, the father dwells in me. And then he says, believe me that I am in the father and the father is in me. Or else believe on the accounts of the works themselves. So oh. he, he turns around and looks at him and says, bro, no. What are you talking about? You don't get this shit? You're not understanding this? That I, for for 14 chapters for us and for three years for them, because it's near the end, right? He has been teaching them about the unity he has with the father. So this is why there's this frustration. Like you still don't get this. And this is how I feel about these oneness people. They still don't, I don't think, understand what that unity is because all their arguments against it break the unity. Oh, well, you think that God's three persons and so he's three different gods and this, this, and that, yeah. and Jesus does this. And it's like you're forgetting that they're so unified that none of them, when Jesus speaks, all three speak. When when Jesus moves, all three move. When the Father moves, all three move. They are in unity perfectly. 100%. 100%. And I think this is the biggest, big, biggest misconception. People think Trinity is some created word. It's not a created word. Trinity simply means tri-unity, three in unity. God is one essence, one essence. There is one God. We adhere to Deuteronomy 6, 4, Mike and I. Euro Israel, the Lord our God is one. We agree 100%. He is one God. He's not 33% plus 33 plus 33. He's not three 100% gods. No, he's one God. But we see that the Son is eternally with the Father. We see the Spirit is eternally with the Father and the Son. We see all three. From Genesis, we see this. Then we see that Jesus says, I will send you a comforter. And in another passage, he says, the Father will send you a helper. Why does he do this? Again, confirming the oneness of God, the oneness of God, but distinct. The Spirit proceeds from both the Father and the Son. None are doing things outside of the others knowing at all. Exactly. At all. Jesus Christ is speaking with the authority of God incarnate because his Father is present with him. He prays in the Garden of Gethsemane in Matthew 28 for he prays his final prayers to the Father because he is the eternal son. This is why we see scriptures like, on this day, I have begotten thee. This is my son with whom I am well pleased. This is how a modalist would have to read that. This is me with whom I am well pleased. This is I. Well, so I'm here's, well pleased the, with myself. here's the Here's the truth of it. If if God isn't triune, then the way that this would be approached, you would think, right? I don't want to speak for no matter what because I'm not God. I can't say what God should, would do. But this, this emphasis on I am the Father, we would see that part, yes. But why the constant, like I said earlier, after the glorification – why still call him calling them still individually, right? So after Jesus ascends and 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 it's this is this this ministry is over. Why this still? Why is there still that distinction, right? And 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 I love the fact that if you really understand what J JD just said, is Jesus constantly does both 
demonstrating the unity and the separateness on purpose. Because if they yeah. weren't unified, he wouldn't demonstrate that. He would demonstrate the separateness. If it was three gods, he wouldn't constantly keep saying the one part, but he would be like, yeah, Father, Holy Spirit. And if it wasn't three, but it was only unified, if it was modalism or, or whatever, then that part they would leave out. But both parts are in here. And that does confuse yeah. people, right? This yeah. constant back and forth. But that is Jesus demonstrating both things. Let's let's uh, let's just keep going because he again the John fourteen through sixteen and 7, actually John fourteen alone I tell you all the time John fourteen is a is yeah. I believe you cannot read John fourteen without a trinitarian view you cannot yeah. view it same thing with Absolutely. Revelation you cannot read Revelation without a trinitarian view I honestly Bro. believe that I don't even know how people read Revelation with, no. without a trinitarian view um, John so fourteen just, fifteen and sixteen actually it's it's just you can just keep reading. <laughs> yeah, I just know we don't have enough time. <laughs> he says, truly, truly, I say to you, whoever believes in me will also do the works that I do and greater works than these will he do because I am going to the father. Whatever you ask in my name, this I will do that the father may be glorified in the son. If you ask anything in my name, I will do it again. When you run into a oneness person, they have to answer a question. And I don't think we ask enough of it. And we, I don't think we ask oneness people enough of this. Is yeah. Jesus fully God, fully man? Because the only way that this makes sense in oneness is if you try to separate Jesus from being fully man, fully God and say, well, this is his human nature talking, right? It would have to be his human nature talking because it wouldn't make sense if this is the father in him talking. I mean, truly, truly, I say to you, whoever believes in me will also do the works that I do and greater works than these will he do because I am going to myself. Whatever you ask in my name, this I will do that I am glorified in myself. And if you ask me anything in my name, I will do it. That makes no sense. Matter of fact, let's keep let's keep that same attitude. If you love me, you will keep my commandments and I will ask myself and I will give you another helper who is myself to be with you forever even the spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees me nor knows me. You know me for I dwell with you and he will be in you. I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you yet a little while and the world will see you no more. See me no more, but you will see me because I live. You also will live in that day. You will know that I am in myself and you in me and I in you. Whoever has my commandments keeps them. He it is who loves me. And he who loves me will be loved by me and I will love him and manifest myself to him. And then Judas, not Iscariot, said to him, Lord, how is it that you will manifest yourself to us and not to the world? Jesus answered him, him if anyone loves me, he will keep my word and I will love him and I will come to him and I will make a home with him. Whoever does not love me does not keep my word. And the word that you hear is not mine, but the but but mine who sent myself. Yeah, they're not mine, but me who sent me. That's exactly it. They're not my words, but my words. Listen, listen. This is why I say to people. Sorry to cut you off, but I just have to make this point. I actually this got tired of reading like that, so you're good. <laughs> the, the the modalist view makes Jesus Christ look like a schizophrenic, like an absolute madman. Because if 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 he is talking about himself in the third person in that way, he has lost it. Quite frankly, then we should not be serving a God like that because he's a madman. Um, he's not the Christ who was prophesied because he's going, I, 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 
I, I, I, I, I. Um, no, Jesus Christ, even, even the way he explains his death, burial, and resurrection to the apostles, he says, in one instance, I lay down my life. I pick it up. In another instance, he says, the Father will raise me up. Peter confirms this in Acts. Jesus Christ, whom of, the, of, of Nazareth, whom you crucified, whom God raised from the dead. Peter bringing both in. Peter bringing in both. We see this in Acts chapter 4. Again, you cannot go through, as Mark has already established, you cannot go through John 14 through 17 in a modalist view and, and go, I accept that. That's okay. You know, it makes absolutely no sense to anyone on this on God's green earth, but it's fine. I have to accept it this way in order for my doctrine to stay solid. It, it makes no sense whatsoever. <laughs> I was running the John 17 because I've never actually read John 17 as a oneness. I've always done 14, but I couldn't help but stop here where it says, as uh, 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 as the Father has loved me, so as I have loved myself, so have I loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my own commandments and abide in my own love. These things <laughs> I have spoken to you, that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be full. But no, I want to read. Let's read John 17, the high priestly prayer from a oneness point of view. Let's read Jesus praying to himself. And I, I'm not doing this as an insult to the Lord, obviously. Uh, I'm doing this to an insult to the doctrine that twists the Lord's words. Yeah. Father, Amen. or I'm sorry, myself, the hour has come. Glorify me, the son, that the son may glorify you, who's the son, since you have given him authority. You have given, no, I have I have given, given myself, myself the authority yeah. over all flesh to give eternal life to all whom I have given myself. And this is eternal life that they know you, the only true God, and you whom you have sent. I glorified myself on earth, having accomplished the work that I gave myself to do. And now, Father, myself, glorify myself in, your, in my own presence with the glory that I had with myself before the world existed. Do can we you have imagine? to keep going? Because I'm hurting can my you, own head. No, no. Like, can you just imagine for a moment? Like, let's just, let's just try and unpack that. Imagine you came to my church for the first time, you're interested in learning about God. And I today we're going to be preaching out of John chapter 17. Everybody open up your Bibles and let's go. Ha, me, the hour has come, glorify me, that I may glorify myself, since I have given myself authority over all flesh. Can you see what's going on here? And and <laughs> this is it. <laughs> exactly like Mark said. Can we? Can you even keep reading it that way? Because you can't. Because this is a very clear. Again, we see the examples of Christ glorifying the Father, the Father glorifying the Son throughout the Bible. This is not just John seventeen. This is not just John fourteen. Throughout the Bible, but what John has done is he spent time with Christ, he's understood the fullness of it, and he has portrayed it exactly as it was said. This Amen. is a witness account. Amen. Uh, so the question here is, uh, if Jesus is King of Kings and Lord of Lords, is Jesus above the Father? What higher title would the Father have above King? Is Jesus, uh, if Jesus is King of Kings? So this is, again, so anybody that's asking you this question, they're trying to play word games with you. And by doing so, 
they are they're taking away the ground foundation of what the Trinity is to confuse you. And we can fall for that sometimes. You got to take them back a second. That's impossible. What do you mean that's impossible? It's impossible for the, Jesus to have a title greater because they are one. Like again, his existence is three, but he is one. And what we try and do is because you and I exist in the finite, and we see separation, uh, physical uh, separation as, you know, different beings or whatever. That We're like, well, wait a minute. If Jesus is king of kings and that leaves God, that leaves the father out. It doesn't because everything Jesus receives, the father receives. Everything the father receives, Jesus receives. Now, why is Jesus the king of kings name above names? Because the father is invisible. No one can see the father. So and how do you give glory to something you don't see? So we give the glory to Jesus. For the Father. Again, this is why Jesus said, glorify the Son so the Son may glorify you. So mm. by him being on the throne, it's so that we have a throne to look upon as we glorify the Father who he represents. Yeah, again, it's it's also in fulfillment of prophecy. Remember that there, there was a promised king. There's a promised king in the lineage of David. There is a promised king over Israel. We know the millennial reign. There is a promised king. That promised king is Christ Jesus. He is the king of all kings. When we look at the statement king of kings, means there is no earthly king. This is not. This has got nothing to do with the compar comparison between God the Father and Christ the Son. It's got nothing to do with that. We don't even need to go that route. Yeah, what this is, yeah, FYI this is real about quick. earthly, earthly kings. So FYI real quick, I, I notice that people get this confused sometimes. The father is not greater than the son in heaven, in his glorified state. When Jesus said this, Jesus was speaking from the carnet. That's why he, and the reason he said it is because they were like, we don't want you to go away. But Jesus is like, I have to, or else I'm not going to be glorified. Don't you know my father is greater than I? The very next chapter, he prays saying, father, return me to the glory I had with you prior to the creation of the world, right? In, in, in eternity, they are equal. They just exist in a different way, right? Like they're one being. Equal, co-equal, co-eternal, three persons. There's no greater than, there's no, they're, 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 they're one in unity. No ranking system. There's yeah. no ranking system. The it's... greater than statement was because why? Philippians 2. Christ emptied himself out and came in the flesh as a humble servant. Why? To fulfill all righteousness on his way to be made perfect as the perfect high priest. People got to think get that confused too when it says he was made perfect. When I talk about Jesus wasn't perfect, it's about he went through all the things that a high priest must go through to be our perfect high priest. He was made perfect for our high, as our high priest. He, he experienced all of our, all of our uh, temptations because as a high priest, he's supposed to be able to relate to us, right? All these things he went through so that he could be exactly what he has created for us, the perfect high priest. It's not that Jesus is lesser than the Father for all eternity. He's not. In, in eternity past, let me explain to you what the Trinity is. In eternity past, the Father is invisible. Jesus is the image of the invisible God. And the Holy Spirit is the one who, who's God power moving everywhere. And it's three personhoods in one being. And, and we can't comprehend it. But guess what? Yeah. That's how God has presented himself from day one. Like J.D. said, in Genesis, we see his Holy Spirit hovering over the water. Yeah. Right? We see these things all throughout the Old Testament. And the Spirit of the Lord came upon them. And then the Word of the Lord came upon them. And then Yahweh yeah. came upon them. Like, yeah, it's a constant message. There's no separation. There's no separation. The problem with our finite brains is, is, is we want to separate it. 
This is the inclination. We're inclined by our nature to try and make sense of something. So I can't say, I can't pick up an apple and go, I'm holding three apples. That's the, that's the problem. People look at it like that. Oh, but I only see one apple. Yes. But <laughs> again, this is not, we can't put an infinite God into a finite breakdown. So our understanding of God's triune nature, again, we see this in Colossians. He, Christ, was the, was there at creation. Christ was the firstborn from the dead. Christ is the, uh, he is the one who created all things for him and by him all things were created and we are created for him, for his good pleasure, for his good works. That's why we are created. It well, says I mean, Christ. Here's a question for the oneness people that I would love to, and really, obviously we're just laying this out there for you guys to be equipped. There's no one oneness in here, but I'm saying it out loud. Can you please explain the love that the father has for the son? Because we see it all throughout scripture, right? The father loves the son and gives him this. The father loves the son. The father loves the son. The son loves the father. I want people to think about that seriously. What does that mean? Because we know love is selfless right off the bat. What does that mean? How can one love themselves biblically? Biblically, how can one love themselves, right? We're called to love one another the way that we want to be loved. Not the way that we love ourselves because you can't love yourself because love literally has to be outward biblically. It's one that, you know, condones no wrongdoing. It's reliable, dependable, honest, uh, you know, all these different things. I'm paraphrasing, but you get what I'm saying. And we know that agape literally means selfless love. So I understand the love between the father and the son. I do because we know that co-eternally they have existed together forever, right? As yeah. one God. Um, but in the oneness view, how does the father love the son? How does that work? Like exactly what does that mean? Because Jesus emphasizes it a lot, right? It's not something we can just pass over. And again, the only way to answer that is to take away the hypostatic union, which is a whole nother heresy. Now we're talking about Nestorianism because I don't think they, I think they, I don't think they doubt that Jesus was wearing real flesh. So I'm not going to step into Gnosticism here, but um, they definitely uh, uh, would have to step into Nestorianism, which means that Jesus is not fully man, fully God, but rather yeah. the spirit of God uh, is just present in him um, and, and then departs from him. In fact, I would love to ask a oneness person, do they believe that when Christ died on the cross, God left him? Because I've heard people say this. The reason why he said, Father, why have you forsaken me? Is because God left him. No, he didn't. That would destroy the idea of Jesus being fully man, fully God and God dying for our yeah. sins. Like him bouncing right before the atonement? That would make no sense. But in the oneness theology, it would have to be that in order for any of this to make sense, which means we believe a different gospel. Remember how we're circling back. This is why we said denying the Trinity, if you don't, if you just glance at it, I get why some of you say, guys, we all believe in Jesus. We all believe Jesus died for our sins. Why are we fighting? But when you get into that nitty gritty, do yeah. we? Believe in the same Jesus? Like 100%. Do 100%. we? Heck, guess what? Every one of you, there's 117 in, uh, 117 of you in here. Every single one of you, if you bumped into a Mormon on the street and only talked to them for two minutes, y'all would both think you both love the same Jesus. Yeah. Right? Amen. If the conversation was just like, I love Jesus, you love Jesus. End of statement. It's, oh, amen. Just like we see online. If I post a video saying I will boldly stand for Jesus' name, there's going to be a bunch of people that say amen that disagree with me heavily on who Jesus is. Just like if you if, if you just say God, even then you'll get Muslims that jump in, right? The name 
is the name above all names, but there are people that try to don that name. As you dig deeper, though, you would be like, oh, that's a Mormon, right? Same thing with these guys. Dig deeper. Wait, so you think Jesus is the Father? What was the comment I got earlier? Someone said, Jesus is the Holy Spirit. Um, who's getting you through life then if it's not Jesus? I wanted to respond with the Holy Spirit. Yeah, this is the other question I ask. I ask, uh, I ask oneness people, and I've, I've yet to have an answer. So hopefully one of them come across this video and I'll, I'll pose the question again. If Jesus Christ is God incarnate and Jesus Christ is the Father, was him was heaven empty for 33 years and was God no longer omniscient or omnipotent for 33 years while Jesus Christ was on the earth because how could he be in Jerusalem physically and also in Egypt and also in the other parts of the world um if he is not a total complete God like the Bible says a triune so what they'll God do is they'll then try and be like well he's omnipresent so he could be anywhere he wants and it's like oh so you agree that he doesn't have to obey the same rules of logic and time and space as we do okay well then why aren't you believing God when he clearly demonstrates father son spirit right like you admit you agree because they'll say well, he's only he's omnipresent he could be everywhere at once amen I'm glad we're I'm glad that we're there I'm yeah. glad that that's the look Thank you. Now let's keep going. Because what they want to do is say God's omnipresent. However, he's appearing as Jesus here, appearing as the father here, modalism, right? His modes. But that still leaves incompleteness on a lot of these issues, because why yeah. would he refer to himself just because he's omnipresent doesn't mean he should refer to himself the way that like, you know what I mean? Like, oh, well, that's my father over there. I, I saw Mike comment earlier. Uh <laughs> Father, if it be your will, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but my will. Like hmm. there's, <laughs> yeah, it, yeah, it, yeah. It, it falls apart. So I mean, too. ready? Here's another question. If I said this earlier, but I didn't, I didn't dig deep on it. I said, why do they continue to separate them after the, um, after the resurrection? Right? Because at that point, if, if, if Jesus was the mode that he could come into the world and die, Right. That's what they that's what the mode was. He had to become the son because uh, that's the father couldn't do it for, as the father he had to become the son in their eyes. Why? Now that it's all over, is there still this reference of Holy Spirit, Father and, and Jesus? And we see it distinctly throughout the epistles. Number one, the opening of every epistle. I'm just going to go ahead and look at y'all with that face just in case of oneness is yeah. in here. All yeah, the exactly. apostles take the time. And me and JD had this conversation the other day on the live stream where I felt convicted that we don't do it enough where we say what they say to the glory of the father and the son. Like they never let you have one alone. They always remind bang, bang. Right. Number two is what about the moments where we see Jesus in spirit form, right? Jesus appeared to Paul in spirit form. Why does he not say the Holy Spirit appeared? Why does he say Jesus appeared? Because Jesus appeared to Paul in spirit, right? Because he showed up in it says it in a vision. It said he had a vision and he came and what so why is it that the spirit well, he's Jesus? And then later we see Philip get told by the spirit to go over to the eunuch. Why didn't why isn't it Jesus talking to him? And then mm. Peter says, Ananias, why have you lied to God? Uh, why have you lied to the Holy Spirit? Uh, and then he says, No, you didn't lie to man, you lied to God. Why didn't he say you lied to Jesus? Why is it? that they still have this distinctness throughout all of scripture beyond Come when on. this was necessary. Come if, on. If these different modes was only necessary for the salvation point, like, Hey, got to become the son to come in. 
and then die for the sins of the world. Why are we continuing this, this confusion when God's on, not no. the God of confusion? Because I'll be honest with you, there's no need for Father, Son, and Spirit after that. Like now we can just get back to one God, right? Why why are we mm, still playing mm, this Father, mm. Son, Spirit game? Why mm. would God do that to me to confuse me? Mm. That's good. That's Unless good. his existence eternally is Father, Son, and Spirit. Even the intro of Revelation. The intro of Revelation, if you've ever read it, you might not have thought this because the way it's presented. But you got to remember that Revelation uses numbers in a certain way. But he opens the letter saying what? He says, grace to you and peace from. The first one he says is him who is and who was and who is to come. So that's the first one. Then he says, and from the seven spirits who are before his throne. That's the second thing. And then Jesus Christ, the faithful witness, the firstborn of the dead and the ruler of kings on earth. That's the third. Seven in the Bible is God's number. And in the book of Revelation, it, it represents God and completeness. So Amen. using the same nu uh, numerology we read all throughout Revelation, this is really saying from the Father, from the Holy Spirit, and from the Son. That's how yeah. Revelation opens. Amen. And we see him who is and who was and who is to come, the seven spirits who are before the throne, the Holy Spirit before the throne, and then Jesus Christ, the faithful witness, the firstborn of the dead, the ruler of the kings on earth, the image of the invisible God. So again, you can't escape the need of the Trinity. And this is why I mentioned this earlier. I don't know if you saw this video, JD. Is it me or, and I think we've talked about this before. How many of y'all can agree that why is it oneness people always seem to have the worst fruits? And I'm sorry if you're one. You went there. <laughs> I'm just saying that alone tells me I have to be careful, right? It tells me because every time I meet a oneness person, they're not like just trying to have a conversation. They're like, you believe the Trinity, you pagan, you're going to burn in hell for this demonic. Ah. Yeah. And it's like, bro, calm down. <laughs> yeah, like, like, a, like it's like a, what's his name? He's he, he's come at both of us, old Willie Bird. Turner Burn, oh, really? baby. <laughs> really, I've had to block him a he's couple times. Turner right? Bird. Yeah, it's I, the exact, I, I, it, that's the mentality of it, though. Yeah, yeah. It's it's yeah. like there's pride, there's anger, and and there's a cause for division as well, which also tells you what what does James three say that you know the 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 divisive spirit, all those things that says it's demonic. Yeah. It's it's yeah, demonic I'm, I'm, to I'm, be like that. I'm gonna I'm gonna tag Mag Madmock in, in in one of Willie Bird's next comments so that he can do one of his funny videos to reply to them because it's a. Oh, you haven't exactly blocked it. him yet. No, I haven't blocked him, man. Oh, Turn man, or burn, baby. Trinity is pagan. Yeah, he <laughs> caps locks. He throws like a hundred fire emojis out there. <laughs> Repent or burn in hell. <laughs> Straight up, man, bro. Man. Yeah, I, I'm yeah, praying it, for him, man. I'm praying for him. I'm praying for him. But here's the other one. What does Jesus Christ say in Matthew 28? Make oh, disciples of all. The top of my head. Okay. Make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name, name singular, of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Well, you see, JD, they're going to have name. a response for that, and I'd love to hear how you tell people to respond to this. They're going to say, yeah, and that name is Jesus. And that's why in the Acts of the Apostles, we see them baptizing in the name of the Jesus, which is the name oh, yeah. of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. What what, what do you respond to that with? Yeah, again, 
again, Jesus Christ is the name in which we baptize 100%. Um, and Jesus Christ is the name by which we must be saved. What does is, what is, uh, Peter say to us in Acts chapter 4? There is no other name given among men by which we must be saved. Jesus Christ himself says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but through me. Again, we, we are talking about a Jewish audience and, and converted Gentiles. The name of Yahweh was too sacred at that time to even be spoken among the heathen. They didn't, they didn't go Yahweh. They didn't go Elohim. Um, so Jesus Christ was the name given. Again, this 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 argument is futile. It's a straw man. It doesn't address the fact that there are still three distinct persons being mentioned exactly. by Christ himself and by the apostles. And the truth is, ready for this, though? The truth is we don't know the name of the Father or the Holy Spirit. And I think the reason for that is because Jesus is the name that is given for that reason. It's the name above all names, right? So since his name is the name above all names, I think there's a reason why we're not, we don't know the Holy Spirit or Father's name because then we would have competing names. Well, whose name yeah. do we reference, right? Um, yeah. And in and, and we know in Colossians, it says that in Christ, the entire Godhead, it was pleased that the Godhead would uh, dwell there, right? And Jesus says it, you know, the Father is in me. Um, so, is there truth to the fact that baptizing in the name of Jesus is still baptizing in the name of God? Because this is, again, this is where they really, they misrepresent the Trinity. They think that, you know, um, there's this distinction to the point where we, I don't even know how to word it, honestly. They don't realize that we understand, yes, Jesus is fully God and it incorporates the Father, the Father and the Spirit. But they leave the Father and the Spirit out because they just assume Jesus is the Father and the Spirit. We don't leave them out because we give glory to the Godhead because that's what the Bible does. The Bible mm. never stops giving glory to the Godhead. This is why mm. I said, I think it was yesterday on my live stream, I don't even care if people use the word Trinity. But the question is, do you trust what the Bible says? The Godhead is real. Uh, the yeah. Father is real. The Spirit is real. The Son is real. Yeah. And that's another question, guys. You can ask a modalist, what does it mean when we read in Paul's epistle where he says that the fullness of the Godhead should dwell in Christ bodily, physically, the fullness, yeah. which means, again, when we look at the when we look at the theophany of Matthew 3, 16 and 17, Christ being baptized, Holy Spirit descending like a dove, Father from heaven, this is my son with whom who I am well pleased, would have to read. Jesus Christ gets baptized, speaks to himself from heaven, descends on himself like a dove. Do you, do you not see the like this is the question we look at them and we go, how do you get there? Like, how do you get there? Because we understand the one times one times one. They're still trying to add. They're still trying to add and subtract. This is not a game of adding and subtracting. This is not what we're trying to do. Again, the laws of physics do not apply to our God. The laws of physics do not. God is not governed by gravity. God is not. God does not need oxygen to to exist. God. He wrote the rules of logic. He does not therefore have to fall into the rules of logic. Exactly. He's outside of space, time, and matter. That is the infinite God we serve in his triune nature, as he has clearly identified to us in his scripture. I saw another question by Legit about the Apocrypha. The Apocrypha was never included in the canon, and it was not removed. Um, if you hear that, that's not the case. 
Let me turn this around before people uh and people accidentally see uh things they don't need to see. Uh guess what I got? Since we're talking about other topics real quick before we end, I'm gonna open it up right here. Because recently, dealing with some nonsense, the King James only controversy uh by Dr. James White. So I will be diving into this because I don't know if you saw recently getting into it with some uh, King James onlyists. Uh, that's been another headache that I've been dealing with. So I'm extremely excited about this. Um, can you trust modern translations? Bum, bum, bum. <laughs> Here we go. Again, everybody knows I love the King James Bible. Uh, I'm a King James reader, but uh, I, I think anyone who puts onlyism in front of if you're an ESV onlyist, if you're a New King James onlyist, if you're an NASB onlyist, you've you've placed uh, some value, um, or you've given some Bible translation a, a grade it 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 is not capable of of holding up. Um, yeah, I don't know it's, why it's it's a it's a terrible tactic, JD, that they use where they try and make it look like you're painting the KJV bad when you just say that you're against the onlyest thing. Because I get that a lot, you know, like, oh, so the KJV is better. Like, no, listen to I me, guys. If, you, if you read a King James, yeah, like, I never knock JD for it. I have a King James somewhere around here. I don't touch it much, but I own one. Um, yeah. And, I mean, it's 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 one that I'll pull up, but it's just not my, <laughs> I'm not a fan of it. But at the end of the day, like, I'm not against the KJV, right? I'm not against it at all. I can't stand the onlyest group, the people that say this is the only word of God, because also their arguments fall flat real quick. Like you can really quickly demolish their arguments. They just don't they don't care. They'll ignore it. But I mean, you could quickly just ask them like, well, if was the Latin Vulgate perfect? And they're going to say either no or yes. Well, if they say no, it wasn't perfect. Be like, OK, so then how do you know the KJV is perfect? If you needed to improve from the Latin Vulgate. Why did you improve? I mean, why don't why don't we continue to want to make sure that we perfect it? Well, then what if they say the Latin Vulgate was perfect because it was the word of God? So then why do we even need the King James? Then they'll say, well, in English. Oh, so we're never going to update after uh, after uh, old English. Like we can constantly keep going down that road. There's no reason to stop at 1611 and say, all right, we're done. <laughs> we're done. Like no need to continue learning. Um and, you know, they'll say stuff like, well, they'll put they put things in brackets and they remove verses. But here's my question for anyone that that believes that in the comment section or just listening to this after the fact. If the gospel is unchanged, why would the devil corrupt the Bible but leave the gospel fine? Because here's the thing. The gospel is what saves. So you're telling yep. me the devil corrupted the NIV and the ESV and all that. So his Bible is out there getting souls saved. Because the gospels are sound still. They don't change the gospel. There's a couple verses that get dropped out about fasting or something. Oh, so the devil said, you know what? I'm not going to prevent salvation, but I'm going to definitely make sure guys suck at casting out demons. And it's not even missing. It's in the footnotes. So Satan's like, all right, guys, look, we're not going to mess with the gospel. They'll be too suspicious. And we can't take the verse all the way out because also really suspicious. Let's put it in the footnote and plant a seed of doubt. Okay. And yeah. then on top of that, if you find out information after the Bible comes out that maybe this isn't in the original manuscripts, are you really mad at them putting in the brackets, this is not included in the earliest manuscripts? Because imagine they didn't. Imagine the opposite, JD, and atheists find out. Hey, guys, Christian's Bible is not even real, bro. These don't even exist in the earliest manuscripts. And then we're like, what are you talking about? They're not. They hid this from us, and then we start panicking. Yeah. Please. 
I put mean, it in that's, my Bible. That's, that's also where you look at the warnings of the Bible with Solomon. You know, we see there's nothing new under the sun. There's nothing. There's no new deception coming along in 2023 that wasn't tried beforehand. And again, we look at, um, I, I, I would always recommend uh, Roy Zuck. Roy Zuck does uh, do good commentaries on, um, he's dispensational, funny enough. And ah. he he does he does good, he does good, uh, he's got a good book uh, called um, Biblical Hermeneutics. And he goes through the KJV um, and the NASB and he, he shows the comparisons and why we can trust the word for word translations we have today. Um, again, I see someone, I see a couple in the comments saying NLT, NIV. Again, just to put clarity on the NIV and the NLT, those are thoughtful thought translations. They're not word for word translations. So in the uh, NL NLT and NIV, it will tell you things like you need to repent of your sins, where the Word for word translations don't say repent of your sins. They say repent and be baptized or repent and be converted. So again, context, um, they're, they're follow, uh, the NLT and the NIVs are following a train of thought where the NASB, ESV, uh, New King James, King James are following word for word from the manuscripts. So again, um, so if you're Jay, reading an NASB... That's a good one. I actually wanted to I wanted to help you out with your Bible study. So I'm thinking about sending you a gift. Uh, I want to send you this new study Bible. I think it would be a solid addition for what you've got going on over there. Um, so probably get that sent out to you sometime this week. Got here the <laughs> Kenneth Copeland. <word. laughs> what? Why are you laughing, man? What's so funny? Bro, I care about you. Can I not care about you? He had to get off screen. <laughs> Jeez, I tell you, man, you try to be a friend nowadays and people can't even take you serious. See if I ever try and buy you a Bible. Do you see this guy? You see this guy? So rude. Lazy. He, he's, the, he's the kind of guy that would say, hey, Lord, bring me Canaan. Ah. <laughs> uh. Does it teach you how to get honestly? Can I be honest with you, man? Mike, I kind of want to buy it because I I kind of want to see what the Kenneth Copeland study Bible says. <laughs> like, is that its own translation? What translation is this? Hold on. The oh, first man. ever, the description says the first ever word of faith study Bible is designed to help believers grow in the practical, usable application of faith in God's word. This unique resource will help you be more effective in using your faith, which includes operating proficiently in the biblical principles of faith, love, healing, redemption, righteousness, and prosperity for yourself and others. Yeah. So it's, 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 oh, the modern English version. Is that a, is that a, I don't know anything. I never heard of the modern English version. Yeah, I, I would rather buy the Hawaiian Pigeon Bible before I buy a Kenneth Copeland study Bible. Well, yeah, there's nothing That's wrong with the Hawaiian Pigeon Bible. I would definitely buy that. Are you trying to insult the Hawaiian? Did that baby jam? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's it. Choose your words carefully, brother. I yeah, would no, look that. up a Joe Osteen study Bible, but I doubt he even has that. To be honest with you, jo probably Joyce got a pamphlet. Got Joyce Myers probably got, got a pamphlet that DJ says like Jesus loves you. Yeah, that's, you just need that's two the other pages. thing. It's like the other red flag. Like if I ever took a Bible and smacked my name on it and saying, yeah, here's a like the James Joseph Smith Bible. translation. 
man, that's just like ridiculous. Like TD yeah. Jakes has got one. Joyce Meyer's got one. All of these prosperity word of faith teachers all have their own Bible. Um, and their study notes are going to help you in your faith. Like, um, and then you can, I was just, thinking about know, buying the new Testament that the archbishop wrote. I would love to buy it just to, just to make videos about it. Cause you know, he yeah. wrote the first ever inclusive new Testament. We are at that hour and a half mark. It is 10 Oh seven. I yes, just realized that I realized that when JD, looked over close. The side. so let's Time go ahead and close it. down here guys. Uh, so first and foremost, thank you all for joining us. Most of you are on YouTube. I know we have a couple watching from Facebook. Uh, we appreciate you guys tuning in uh, to all the rest of you over here on YouTube. Uh, I, I know that the likes aren't matching the viewer count. We got 125 people in here, but I've heard the likes is down at like the 30. So uh, you need to go ahead and hit that like button. That's all we ask. We're not asking for your credit card information. We're not Kenneth Copeland over here. We're just asking you for a like. Just a thumbs up, just a little, maybe, maybe tap that share button. Who knows? Um, but we appreciate you guys spending time here with us. We appreciate you guys just letting us vent and and have a, an open conversation tonight. Um, we like to have episodes like this. Uh, make sure you guys are back next Monday um, at 830 Central. Also, don't forget Friday, a uh, new episode of Ezekiel, as long as me and JD record, which I think we will. Um, Exodus. Uh, <laughs> yes, Ezekiel. Exodus. <laughs> oh, oh yes, yes. Uh, uh, Exodus. My bad. I don't know. No, I don't want to. I don't. Honestly, I am not looking for it. Ezekiel is one that's like, oh man, that's gonna be yeah. a. That's gonna be that's gonna just be just jump right off the bat with this thing had seventy seven eyes and just uh, uh yeah. yeah we're gonna have fun over rough. there. But yeah, Great. as always, guys, I will be over on TikTok just for a little bit after this. And I know I always say that, but then it ends up not being a little bit, but I really am going to aim for it to be a little bit tonight. Uh, but with all that being said, I have nothing else for them. What about you, Jay Dizzle? No, I'm good. Grace and peace, guys. Thanks for being here. And uh, we love you. And we will see you on Monday night. Monday night. God bless. And go beast.